Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. Have the opportunity today to uh, visit Mr. John Wilson with Double Nickel Taxidermy. I have to tell you that I am a stickler when it comes to taxidermy work. <laughs> I want it to look like the animal's supposed to look with an expression, and, and one of the reasons that I've started using Double Nickel is because these guys do what I consider the perfect job when it comes to mounts, whether it's uh, such as a pronghorn antelope that I'm picking up today that I shot in West Texas with Greg Simon's Wildlife System, or uh, I've got a big deer here that I shot up north. Can't wait to see that and some things from across the world. But had this opportunity to just kind of visit with John a little bit of this today about, about taxidermy and, and maybe some of the things that if you're in the field on a hunt that you can do. John, welcome to the Thank you. Untamed DSC's Untamed Heritage Podcast. We we started to do this one time before. Unfortunately, we had a <laughs> camera mishap or I think actually maybe somebody lost a SD card or something. But uh it, it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. As, as Thank I mentioned, you for having I just me. have an opportunity to pick up an antelope I shot in West Texas with Greg Simons this year, and it looks out of this world good. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. John, if, if, if somebody is looking for a tax dermis, what kind of advice would you give somebody maybe before they go on a hunt? And I think that's the time to really do it rather than... Sure. Over the years past, I've, I've had tax numbers to do work because I was somewhere and I, I left it there because it was just easier. And then when I finally get it home, I go, you know, that wasn't a good decision on my part. It really doesn't look like a deer. Sure, sure. We we run into a lot of times people just aren't prepared. So 
uh, like you said, do your homework before you go. Know the weather. Know the, the area you're hunting. Are you hunting with somebody? Uh, can you skin an animal? If you can't, you may want to check in with a taxidermist or an outfitter just to get some information on how to make cuts, where to make cuts, because it's a lot easier to avoid them than it is to fix them. So. Yeah, you guys are, are as close to anything as I'm concerned as being total magicians. To, to to I've seen some of the holes you guys have had to cut up that absolutely would not have been necessary to begin with. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, occasionally you'll hit a deer with a bow or a rifle or whatever, and it can create a hole, and y'all, with reason, can repair sure. it to where they can't see it. But sure. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, the the animals on the ground are, are hanging upside down, being skinned, and uh, the anatomy's all out of place, so people make cuts they don't think necessarily will show, but when you write that animal and put them on the wall, those spots actually are going to be right up front and center. Let, let's say I have never skinned an animal before, okay. and uh, you, you mentioned talking to the tax dollars, but let's say it's, it, it is a guided hunt. Uh, but it'd still be worthwhile for that person to come in and, and to look at not only the mounts that y'all do, so that he has an appreciation for the, 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 the quality of it, but uh, it, it, as you mentioned, it's a good way to come in and say, okay, I'm going to go on this hunt. Where, what do I look for? How, how am I going to be sure? I'm hoping the guy is going to skin it for me, but how am I going to know for certain that he's doing it in the right and proper way? Yeah, a good a good thing is if you go beforehand, say, whitetail hunting, and you know where you want to hang the animal or place the animal. Uh, a lot of the, the field care you can do ahead of the hunt um, as, as far as knowing where to skin, as far as a shoulder mount or a pedestal mount, where you can kind of help in directing the outfitter, usually they'll know how to skin an animal, but specifics, if you're putting it on a pedestal, you don't want to cut all the way down the back. Right. Um, little things like that that don't seem like they make a big difference, they will when it comes to the taxidermy end of it. Yeah, particularly on some of these, I mean, we're 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 here in Texas and a lot of our deer are not like the northern deer that have no. two inches of hair. We're fairly close. So if there is a cut that's made that has to be sewn up, a lot of times it no matter how, how what kind of a magician you are, yeah. there's still gonna be some sign of that and that's what you're talking about here particularly. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's uh it's common in our whitetail deer, uh, a lot of our exotics, axis deer, black buck, are notorious. Uh, very short hair. Very short haired, and uh, we can sew it together, close the hole, the hair will line up, but especially if the cut's made from the outside, some of those hair follicles are cut. And it's gonna. So how you position that knife even exactly. Makes a yep. Idea. Yep. So you know, bullet holes. It's a common. We can we can sew a bullet hole closed. Usually, we got to make the hole bigger if that makes sense to make it close. So like maybe in the Cut shape like of a, a football. Kind right, of thing, right. Right. And uh, we can close it together. But uh, you know, a bullet entering the the hide, entering the body, is gonna damage the hair follicles, the individual hair follicles. So right. when we put them back together some of that hair is not going to be perfect and lay just right. So we may have to end up going in and cutting a bigger hole just to preserve the, the hair and get them to line up. Okay, so if they come in, you can show them, or even they can go on your website yep. too, can't they, to see where to make cuts, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, the, the technology age we live in. There's resources everywhere. We've made little DVD, not DVDs. We've made little videos for YouTube. Uh, we had little pamphlets that kind of show where to make cuts, some of the common mistakes people make. Um, 
And so, yeah, you can find it pretty much anywhere. But, yeah, we can usually, uh, what is this, June, July now? We uh, we usually start getting calls. People are looking at uh, some elk hunts lined up, some different things out of state. Some of the, the seasons are starting to get closer to opening. So they're going out of state, let's say, and they, they want to know how to cape it. Well, we can we can either provide them the information or kind of point them in the direction to to help them. I want to, I want to come back to some of that. Yep. You mentioned going out of state. Uh, a lot of the states now have CWD requirements. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and transporting an animal across state lines sometimes requires knowing what you're doing before you get caught. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the, the, I, I suppose the best advice there is to the outfitter should know. They should. <clears throat> but yeah. if you're hunting on your own, then the game department's us. It's on you, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things is better safe than sorry, the old cliche. But uh, really, if you're going out of state, and those laws and, and different things are changing constantly, so uh, something that may have applied last year, you may want to double-check this year just to make sure nothing did change. We had a client last year went and shot a mountain lion out of state and had a license, everything was legal, but he wasn't aware he had to stop and get a tag uh, from the, the game wardens in that state. So, uh, you know, having to take it back. So it's a little homework can avoid that. It, it can avoid a whole yeah. lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's say you got the animal down and the guy, yeah. it's been skinned and it may be not cut up the back and where possible, <laughs> I suspect you suggest that they don't cut it all the way from the from the antlers or horns all the way down the back maybe just make a small incision behind the, the antlers or horns and yeah usually get the head out usually we'll describe it kind of as a y incision in the right. taxidermy world that's that's kind of the common terminology um and it's it's species specific so you know if you shoot an elk that's going to be a tough animal to skin without cutting down the back of it. So, <laughs> so you know, it's all kind of relative based on the conditions, uh, the equipment you have, uh, if it's you by yourself or if you have help. Um, but, yeah, typically we just make a, a little Y incision from the back of each horn or antler uh, to a midpoint and then straight down about six, eight inches. Usually you can peel the, the hide off of the head. At that so point. we get it off the head mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And in, in most instances, I would suspect that you suggest that they do not try to skin out the ears, be yeah. really careful around the mouth, and particularly around the eyes, right? Yes, Every, everything looks different from the inside. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of landmarks and stuff you need to look for, and, and if you haven't done it over and over again, you, they're kind of hidden, some of them. So you can, you can easily make a cut that doesn't seem like a big deal, but if it's right across the eye, that's going to show. So, right. uh, yeah, just knowing knowing what you're doing is big, and if you don't, it's always good to ask for help or, or have somebody or even pay somebody to do it. Now, in-state, I, sus- I know that we can here in, in Texas, and I suspect a lot of the other states are that way, is you can skin it down too and cut the head off, leave yep. the head intact, yep. and then if that's what you – if you can get it to – to double nickel or if you're in another state and that's where you, yep. you can get it to them in that state right or in that state meaning with the head yeah. attached kind of thing sure uh, 
Sure. But otherwise, otherwise you know, got to pull it off. I know I'm, I'm hunting in Missouri this year, and I'll check to see in Oklahoma. And I know that when I come across state lines in Texas, I have there are certain restrictions as to what how the meat has to be done, how the skin, and then the, a clean skull or a clean skull plate. I suppose. Right. Right. Exactly. And and yeah. that's just something like you're saying you're going to have to look into before your trip. Make sure you're doing it right. What what about you know in years past people said oh you got to skin them out all the way out and salt <laughs> them and all that what what do you usually suggest to somebody that's either hunting sure. say in Colorado or, or hunting in their home state and they're trying to get sure. the tax dollars uh, always uh, I just try to tell people don't make any more cuts than you have to so if if possible bring us the whole animal um, it happens a lot here but obviously if you're out of state that's an issue but uh, a lot of times you can leave the head attached to the skin and uh, bring it in that way we can we can skin it and uh, make sure it's done correctly if you're not able to do that like I said it's one of those things you uh, you need to find somebody there's we've we've had clients in different states that they kill something it's important it's a a big trophy to them they don't want to mess it up but they're out in the middle of nowhere usually and we run into it here as well People will come in with a deer that they want to take to their taxidermist, wherever they're at. Right. And yeah. uh, we'll skin it for them, make sure it's done right, and uh, they bag it up and take it with them. Um, so it's something we run into with hunters from other places and, and a lot of our clients that go hunt other states. You can find somebody to do it usually. What, what, let's say you don't have access to a, a freezer mm-hmm. and you've got either the head still intact and mm-hmm. it's, it's relatively warm. And you're trying to get it to to uh, yeah. double nickel. What what's the best way to make sure that you don't have hair slippage? Because if that hide gets too hot and lays around in the sun, yeah. you're going to lose the hair Not and good. lose the cape. Sure, Not good, right? Not good. Uh, yeah, and, and there's a lot of things that can cause hair slippage, but temperature, especially here in Texas, is the big one. And uh, you know, a lot of times we'll have clients that get the animal skin fairly quickly. They'll get it off the animal. They'll roll it up, throw it in an ice chest, cover it in ice. But the probably one of the biggest mistakes we, we see with hair slippage is if you take it off of the animal, it's still warm. And you roll the hide up, the center of that ball of hide, heat, it? it takes <laughs> up to days for the, the middle of that ball of hide to get right. to temperature. So uh, if you can, lay it out as much as possible or fold it in half and then ice top and bottom. But yeah, but yeah temperatures is the main thing we run into. Yeah, I know in some instances I've been able to do this because what I'll do is I know I've, I've got about a six-hour trip to get back. <clears throat> Well, I've got it skinned and, and I've cooled it, but a lot of times rather than, you know, if I'm going to bring the head in intact or even sometimes not, but a lot of times what I'll do is go buy a sack of ice yep. and just cram that ice inside that skin and then try to transport it that way. And that's, so far that's been, it's worked for me. That's ideal, you know, and I tell, I tell people it's kind of like uh, preserving a steak you want to eat. You know, you want to make sure that that thing stays cold <laughs> underneath, on top, on the sides. Exactly. And uh, if you're questioning if it's cold or not, you know, just think about, would you want to eat that steak if it was that temperature? So that's a... That's a good analogy. I, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it in that term. It's just, right. uh, you know, people that- kind of picky about what they eat. So yeah. you can apply that same principle to an animal that's usually, it helps people kind of make the connection. Exactly. Exactly. 
what kind of tips would you give a guy that we've talked about, you know, uh, we've talked about hunting here. Unfortunately, we're in a situation right now where international hunts are a little tough to come by, but they'll come back again in the future. So let's let's transition from whitetail or a pronghorn or even an elk to some of the international things. What what kind of advice do you give somebody if they're going to go on an international hunt? Sure, sure. No, that's a great question and, and one that, if again, if people did a little homework before they went, they'd save a lot of issues down the road. But, you know, one thing is who you're hunting with over, you know, internationally. Make sure you know how they're treating things as far as hides and, and capes. Um, maybe do a little research and get some references from who they use and, and do a little just digging around. Not to say they're doing anything wrong, but it's just good to know. Um, a lot of times in, in Africa, for example, or, or different places, it can be fairly warm and and if those things aren't taken care of properly over there in the middle of nowhere, uh, you can have some issues back when you get it home. You won't know about it at the time. No. <laughs> but when we get it back here, that's usually when we find out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had but, that happen. You know, that is is a big one. Another big uh, thing that can help as far as your trophy being preserved is reference pictures Uh, a lot of reference pictures Uh, african animals typically are really short-haired they get a lot of epidermal loss which is the hair still there but the the top layer of skin peels off and so trying to match colors and things like that a lot of times the skin that we mount doesn't look like the skin uh, that you shot when you when you harvested the animal so uh, pictures are, are huge um, and that is that also goes into the fact about the the horns the horns typically come off all the animals making sure they go back on correctly um, on the correct side like a gims buck right their horns look pretty identical so <laughs> Is that, is that no, no, it's okay. fine. We're okay. in a okay. okay. business. All right, all right. Uh, you know, knowing which one's are left, which one's are right, right, you know, usually you can find an identifying mark that, exactly. that'll help you. Now, you mentioned, I know in years past, you've provided me with tags. Sure. That not only had my name on it, had double nickel on it, and had a transporter because right. you need to have those things shipped yeah. back. I mean, usually they'll go to a taxidermist area to, for prep. Right, uh, right, and salt and dried and yeah. skulls cleaned and all that kind of thing, and then there's a, mm-hmm. a place. But that's another thing that they can do, particularly for traveling internationally. That's 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 a big one, and, and a lot of people call us one of the hidden the hidden uh, fees on uh, your international trips. Is people don't think about that. They see the price of the animal, the hunt, the airlines, but uh, after the hunt's done, um, you're going to get hit a, a few times for for the dip and pack which preparing the hides to ship shipping them and then clearance here in the u.s and uh, we work with some companies that uh, they'll basically step in and make sure all of your your permits your paperwork everything is correct and uh, filed appropriately so that when your your trophies do arrive on a on U.S. soil, uh, they can be cleared by customs to come into the country. Yeah, because there are also certain animals that are covered under the Sightings uh-huh. Act, uh, leopard being one of them. Yeah. Y'all did the most fantastic leopard mount I've ever seen on my leopard. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, all that paperwork has to be properly filed 
and it really needs to come before before yeah. you guys can really do anything. Yeah, and, and another part of that, that going and doing your homework before a hunt, if you can line up your your customs broker is is what that's called, the people that right. do your customs. paperwork here in yes. the U.S. beforehand. A lot of times they got to file for those permits, um, and it takes time. So if you can go ahead and get that process started before you go, you don't have to wait for it to be done on the back end of your hunt. Exactly, you can get your stuff back quicker. Yeah, and your outfitter or PH or whatever the safari company mm-hmm. should be able to help you with that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Most most of those guys are pretty good. They should, good. Be they yeah. should. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but usually they'll they'll know really well on on that side to export it out of whatever country and then they'll usually have a pretty good idea or or a good uh name or company that here on this the state side that you can work with when you get back yeah i'll tell you what there there's a whole lot more to bringing those animals back than what you what you think the fun part's going over and having a great time and taking the animal and then the fun part is once you get it to double nickel and it's hanging on the wall there's a little bit between that a little bit happens you guys and we're usually the last one on the list to get in your pocket so it's you know by the time it gets to us you've been worked over pretty good (laughs) but it it, it is worth it i mean there are both the outfitters and ph that that we've dealt with and i know you've been over and you've got some guys that you've dealt with sure and generally what I tell people that, hey, before, if you're going to go talk to somebody, talk to the local taxpayers yeah. if you can. Yeah. Particularly like here, I mean, you do things for a lot of different people, not just here in the sure. States, but you're an excellent resource of, you sure. know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about going to Africa with this guy. Yeah. What do you know about it? Yeah. And you may know something a lot about him. You may know enough to say... Uh, you know, you really ought to talk to somebody else. You know, it's it's valuable. I mean, it, I just try to put myself in their position, and if and you've if, been in their position, and I've been in that that's, position. That's, that's the, the yeah, that's wild. the big thing is is knowing kind of learning from mistakes and knowing the things that can go wrong and trying to help people not run into those same issues because they're avoidable. Most they of them, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this this COVID thing that we're seeing no, is man. gone here in, within the next let's hope, <laughs> very quick future. Let's just say that. Yes, sir. And to where we can we can start hunting internationally again. Right now, it's, it's really I know a lot of the uh, uh, guys over across Africa are not doing any hunting at all. Right. I, I deal a lot with DSC and DSC Foundation, and we have what we now call Hunter Care Hunters Care, which stands for. Uh, uh, COVID anti-poaching relief and to where right. people can contribute money to the DSC Foundation for a specific country, a specific operator, and it's a it's a tax, totally tax deductible. It comes into the foundation and within seven days it goes to that organization or that yeah. outfitter, PH if you will, to help with whatever he's doing. And so it's a great way to, to, to yeah. be contributed to because we're fortunate here, we've got. We're, I know you get a fair amount of things out of Canada as well sure. too. And right now sure. we're shut down from yeah. Canada. The really the difference is there, I mean, they're shut down from hunting, but at the same time, they don't have the the, the poaching problem there. True. In Canada is what there True. is in Africa. So we've all got to kind of contribute where we can to, to to help the wildlife that's going on there. But there's a lot of those kind of things. Uh, right. What about position on the animal? I mean, yeah. talking about, okay, I'm looking at my wall, and I'm going, man, I really want that deer to turn 
this way. This way meaning sure. I want him to turn to where I'm looking to right. my right, not right. the animal's yeah. right. And that, I know that when guys come in, you've got tremendous matching, sure. and the guy can say, I like that turn right there. Right. I want to turn just like right. that. And that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions of a taxidermy. People come in and they say, I want a left turn. Well, is that your left or the animal's left or my left or who's left? So uh, it's always from the animal's perspective, being if you were the animal, which direction are you looking? So that is, I mean, that, that could be a really big deal if you got one spot for this animal and you want him looking to the left and you get it back an animal that's looking to the right, you know, and it may not work where you wanted to put it in your house. So uh, just being clear on that, um, that is a, a big one we run into every deer season especially. Look, look, we, we, okay, so there are different types of positions of that animal mm-hmm. turning to the left, to the right, to an off, what you guys call it, maybe an offset shoulder, offset, yeah. uh, a pedestal mount, which to me is a fantastic mount because you can actually then walk away right. all the way around. Because there's some animals to me that you really can't appreciate unless you can do that. True. So there those kind of things, dealing with the bases, ears. Mm. To me, the, how those ears are positioned is really important yeah yeah no it's it's huge i mean that's part of the the animal's attitude you know it can just like the eyes right eyes the eyes and ears to me are really important when it comes to the mouth it kind of can make or break a mount i mean that's the uh the eyes i mean that's the animal's lifeblood in a mount kind of that's right just brings life to them if they look good they look sleepy if they look like he's fixing to get hit by a truck you know it's (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna add a lot of character to your mount for for the good or bad right um but yeah you know there's a lot of details and and if a customer walked in right now and, and wanted a deer mounted i mean we could literally talk to them for probably 30, 45 minutes about all the specifics of their mouth. Right. Because there's so many things that, that we look at that people might not necessarily notice. and um, But they make a big difference, just like the ears, the eyes. Yeah, to me, I've always appreciated, the, the, as you mentioned, the eyes are so important. And, but the ears are, too. And to me, mm-hmm. what I've always done is usually when I've brought a head by here, you'll say something about ears, and I said, you guys decide. Yeah. Put it, put that head on the, you know, and Man. look at, see what, which, do you need to have this ear turned to the left, and straight back, down, up, both forward, whatever. You know, yeah. to me, you can, once you get that mount going, then you can position those Man, ears to where, if I move this ear backward a little bit, it's really going to show, I'm looking at, at a mount right across yeah. the shoulder, that if the ear to come forward, that rack wouldn't have looked nearly as impressive as Absolutely. with the ears kind of quartering back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and that some of that is, uh, you know, you build trust with a with a taxidermist just like you would a mechanic or anybody else, Absolutely. and you kind of you kind of trust their advice. But usually, the mounts that turn out the best are the ones that we call it just artist choice, and uh, like they can that. play with the they can play with the ears, you know, the eyes, because you know, let's face it, on a whitetail just moving the ears back or down a little bit can make or that one forward and one alternating yeah. i mean it changes the animal's expression so much and you know we do get customers that have 15 shoulder mounts and they all got their ears forward and <laughs> if you had one that was a little different they'd look funny so i mean we obviously you know we can do them however we need to do them but but usually they turn out the best and we kind of get to play with them a little bit that to me i mean you mentioned artists the 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 
the men and women that you have sure. working here. You've got several tax numbers sure. here because of the, the total volume that you do. And there's a reasonable turnaround time you right. know, on, on all this as well, too, what you guys do here. But these guys, they truly are artists. And there's some that will specialize a little bit more mm -hmm. in one animal style or maybe a, a full body, right. you know, or maybe right. somebody that does that you look at and go, well, this guy or this lady really knows what she's done with uh, with white-tailed deer. Another mm -hmm. one, you may, man, that, that person knows about antelope. You know, they've yeah. just got a feel for it. So Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things I kind of draw back on my, my teaching and coaching career prior to this. <laughs> you know, you... You can't force a square peg into a round hole. So right. Sometimes you got to find what people do well and uh, what they don't do well, and kind of lead them in the direction they're going to do the best. So yeah, we have we have everybody here can do a lot of different things, but we do have uh, certain artists that kind of specialize in in cats or uh, African animals or life size right. animals. And so you kind of find find those people. It usually is pretty evident. You know, they kind of show themselves through trial and error, and you see where people excel. But, but yeah, there's within taxidermy, there's so many different disciplines, and and uh, we try to go to competitions every year just to get an unbiased opinion because we all kind of have the same feedback, our mouths look the same. But get somebody that really doesn't care who we are or what we do, they're looking at that animal and they're picking it apart. So we're always trying to hone that and get different aspects. Yeah, like I said, the leopard y'all did for me was one I shot with the Opsi Blau with the Zumbo in uh, Namibia. And, uh, unfortunately for me, we had it at the show, and I've been trying to get it home ever since <laughs> It's okay. Then. And it's about <laughs> increases the, uh, the, your entrance here, and I'm looking at well, it. That's a great conversation. There, there is too. a... Uh, you're right. Some people just have an, a knack for yeah. cats, yeah. and because there's a positioning of... <laughs> <laughs> There's positioning of, of, of everything. I mean, sure. as far as the eyes tell the yeah. story, the ears tell the story, how the lip comes down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just all kinds of little <clears throat> things that play into a, a really good mouth. Sure, sure. Yeah, everything kind of adds and, and kind of creates the whole picture for you, you know, from the, the little flaps of skin under his chin being right. an old big cat to... And that's what I'm, we're looking at my leopard right now, and then, and that leopard was kind of like an old man, you know. True, yeah, got, got, yeah, kind of saggy and just down, yeah, kind of thing. yeah, and and white-tailed deer that way, same too. way, yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen the mounts, and again, I'm we're here in, in John's taxidermy shop right now, but I'm looking at different mounts at the moment, and I'm looking at a white-tailed deer that that looks like an older mature buck because right. they do have a kind of almost right. a flap of loose skin right. hanging down to either side of their lower jaw. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's something that we've we've run into a lot, especially in Texas. Our our deer population is pretty diverse. So, you know, some of the hill country deer we get aren't quite as have the same features as say a big South Texas buck. And uh, so, getting pictures of what these deer, if we can get trail camera pictures of them being live, that's the best because a lot of times you can't see that skin hanging or maybe an ears drooping. Or, right. You know, the animal has some characteristic that you can really pick up on. Rather than when we get it, it's just a, a head and some skin. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> we try to do the best we can. <laughs> well, that, that's one thing about you're You're exactly right. I've been fortunate to hunt white-tailed deer a lot of different places and everything from Canada on down into Mexico. And there are differences. I mean, to me, the, some of the deer up north have a have relatively small nose. Yep. Uh, our old South Texas bucks 
sure enough, deep south Texas brush country bucks, they've got a great big old nose. Right. So, right. Just, but just knowing, too, from experience of the, you know, the skinning out of the animals that you've done, you have an appreciation that someone says, well, I'll kill this deer down in Webb County. Well, Webb County deer have kind of a way of, yeah, of, of looking somewhat the same, you know, yeah. with, with those kind of things as, as opposed to one that may have come out of Kansas or Nebraska or, or even, out, as we mentioned, Canada. Sure. Yeah, no, they, they do. I mean, totally different. I mean, that, that deer from up north, I mean, just the hair, the body's different. Yeah. They're just built differently. The, the, the entire structure, not just the uh, the uh, not, not just the overall size right. of them, right. but just the way right. that his entire skull, you know, his, even the, his neck, the whole nine yeah. yards is yeah. totally different from the from the one that's not very far from him that looks like it's from here in Texas. And, sure. And, uh, Obviously, a, a great buck as well, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yeah, all yeah. right. All right. That one's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For an eight-point, that's a pretty darn good deer, I'll tell you. Uh, but we're sitting here, too. Tell me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at two turkey mounts. These mm-hmm. happen to be the oscillated birds uh-huh. from down uh-huh. either Campeche or down in the Yucatan area. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna to go to Mexico and I wanna shoot one of these birds, or Quest Crested Guam or mm-hmm. or whatever else that they have down in that part of the world. Yeah. What's the proper carrying of that bird and skin to, to get it up here to have these are absolutely gorgeous mounts. Sure. To yeah, get to this point right here. That's a great question. We get that every year from from customers, especially these turkeys, right. uh, only one place to go get them, and, and yeah. uh, beforehand, you know, they call and check in, and we happen to be USDA certified to accept these animals in and uh, treat See, them. Another when they one get of those here. things to do your homework. Another little, about. another exactly. little, right? Yeah. But uh, you know, a lot of times the birds from from Mexico, in particular, these they uh, their skin down there, they can't obviously bring the carcass with them. Right. Um, so they're skinned and salted. So we have very little to go off of as far as proportions or what the animal look like, uh, our bird look like. And, and uh, so picture studying reference, you know, we've had clients even, they'll do a, a little carcass, they'll lay the carcass on a sheet of paper and trace it out. So, the size of the carcass. so we have an idea of the, the size of the Great animal. information. So, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of little things you can do just with a pen and paper that'll help in the, the mount. But yeah, I mean, with those, you can bring them back with you um, typically, but you got to do the, the proper procedures ahead of time. Right, right. So, but you can educate yourself on that and it's not difficult. And again, a lot of times, if you're hunting with a reputable outfitter True. down there, that they'll tell they'll, you they'll that know how time. to skin out for a, a full body mount on on these oscillated turkeys. Absolutely, yeah, they're unique. Looking they're beautiful. They, no, they, they are. are. They're so ugly. They're pretty. <laughs> that is I, a good I, point. I've yeah. had a chance to hunt down there. I've never shot one of these. I've hunted rocket deer down there. Rocket deer, the process yeah. of it, uh, we ran into a lot of the oscillated okay. turkeys. Okay. Yeah. And. Well, I could have shot one. I didn't, and I've kicked myself ever since then. <laughs> no, they're not real big bodied, but no. man, their colors are vibrant and oh, gosh, and they're just uh, very unique. And again, you guys know what they look like. I mean, you, of course, you you, you, you know, work a lot of times off of references, sure, but knowing sure. what those things look like because they have a very unique color to their heads. They do, and. 
if somebody didn't know what an oscillated turkey looked like, uh. you could probably paint it to look very much like a real grand turkey. And you could. Yeah. It would not look that good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just, you know, for us, we everybody that's here has a passion for what they do. and That's so obvious when you that, spend time here. With that kind of stuff is interesting to us. That's the weird stuff that we go and investigate and research. And why are the warts on that turkey's head different colors? Right. And understanding the whys and not just... Yeah, it's a blue head with some dots on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> John, again, I want to come back to this. Just yeah. a, a general advice that you would give somebody that's going on a hunt that maybe they have a whole lot of, maybe they've got a lot of heads on the wall, or maybe this is the first one that they're going to do. Just basic advice would you give somebody? You know, just uh, don't shortcut anything. And you're talking the, about taking the hide I'm ta- I'm off. I'm talking mid, about the mid, hide. Mid-body uh, at least, right? Yeah. Don't, don't shortcut doing your homework. Don't shortcut uh, being prepared, make, being able to make a good shot on the animal. Um, the better the hide, the better condition the hide is in when we get it is, uh, is preferable, obviously. We get hides that are cut up all the time, and having to make that phone call, you know, to a client um, – or even if it wasn't taken care of in the field and it got too warm and the hair slipped out. Yeah. It's not a fun conversation to have, and, and rightly so. I mean, nobody wants to hear that their their hide or their mount's not going to work out. So, uh, man, it can save a lot of tears and, and frustrations down the road. Um, just doing a little bit of preparation, like anything in life. Exactly. Do your homework. Do your homework. And then be follow, ready. Be ready to follow through on it. Sure. Uh, I want to switch horses on you just yeah. a little bit. I understand you are now on the board of directors of the uh, South Texas DSC chapter. I sure am. Yeah. Don't know quite how that happened, but here <laughs> well, I am. I do. I do. Here I am. <laughs> I do. You know, yeah. DSC is such an absolutely fantastic organization. And I want to come back to that just a little bit. Sure. Let's get a few words very quickly from one of the guys that are out of the main office up at, in Dallas from the DSC office, and then we'll come right back and finish this conversation. Nate, tell me a little bit about this new membership level. I'll tell you what, I'm really excited for it, to see it. And uh, I've already picked up some applications to where I'm going to try to get these to my kids and grandkids and a bunch of friends. But tell me about the new uh, membership level that we have at DSC. Yep, Larry, we just rolled out the base camp membership level in uh, June of this year here at DSC. So the new base camp membership It is our most affordable membership option. Kind of the idea behind it was um, DSC wants to continue to grow and expand its base. Last year, we had an awesome year. Um, Our membership grew by over 10% overall. So um, it was a fantastic year, and we want to kind of keep that same trajectory. So open up opportunities um, to expand DSC membership around the United States and around the world as well. So uh, the base camp membership is 45 bucks a year, and so you receive game trails, our quarterly magazine, and then you can access Camp Talk, our monthly newsletter online with the base camp membership. When you sign up, you get a package with a handful of goodies, DSC keychains, stickers, uh, some literature, reading material, that kind of thing, um, as well as you're spending 45 bucks to an organization that puts its money where its mouth is. And so you're going to have a direct impact on wildlife and wild places through um, your membership. And so um, kind of like you and I talked about earlier, um, the base camp membership also makes a great gift. So whether you're going to a hunting camp and that's a way you want to tip one of the guides or cooks 
at uh, camp this year. Um, it's a great gift in that capacity. If you have kids, grandkids, sign up your spouse, sign up your buddy. Um, so it, it's a great way to get folks involved, and uh, not just as a hunter, but as a conservationist. And how do they go about doing this? So uh, the best way to sign up for the base camp membership, you can visit the website at www.biggame.org. Or you can give me a call here at the office. My phone number is 469-484-6774. And I'd be happy to talk with anyone. What was that number again? 469-484-6774. Thank you very much. You know, if you're not a member of, of DSC, this is a special time to become one. There are so many things that DSC does, and we have a, a new base camp uh, right. yep. membership, which is really kind of an introductory to DSC as, as a, a club, as an organization, and uh, a lot of benefits involved, including the DSC Game Trails magazine, which is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the prettiest and finest magazines yeah, out there. Uh, I'm also very fortunate. I've been involved with DSC for a long time, and and recently I was voted on to the DSC Foundation Board, and one of the things that I have been charged with is to work more closely with some of the DSC chapters uh, from respect of what DSC and the DSC Foundation do together. And so uh, one of those things means that I'm going to get to spend more time with some of the board of directors, which I'm really looking good, forward to, particularly good. in this one in South Good, Texas, good. To be honest with you, because it's one of the closer ones that I live sure. close to. But uh, DSC, and you've been to several of the conventions now. Right. You exhibit at the conventions, and then also you've been into the various chapters here. Yep. Uh, there's so many things. What? How do you feel about all this with with DSC? You know, for for me, for years, DSC was this this big entity. I knew nothing about really. I knew it was a hunting organization, and uh, it always seemed like this unattainable building on a mountain. That, you know, you didn't <laughs> right. really know much about. And uh, the more. I've been around it and involved with people that are involved with it. The more I've learned, and and uh, it's been really good. I've you know I've done a lot of things in my life, and <clears throat> from professionally, personally, traveled around. And you know, my biggest thing is I want to find something that I can make an impact on that will make an impact on future generations. And and uh, over the years, I guess it's just meant to be kind of just aligned with with DSC and what their mission is. And and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing something I guess bigger than myself I know that's used a lot but uh, just really looking forward to learning more I'm, I'm pretty green when it comes to the whole uh, hunting industry laws regulations education conservation so I'm I'm really looking forward to going in with a you know uh, like a wet sponge and, and soaking everything <laughs> that I can up and uh, uh, really really like what DSC's doing uh, both in a, a chapter and and as a, a national organization. They do a tremendous job both there in North America and of course as you mentioned world sure. worldwide as well too and, and daily they're getting more inquiries about more chapters across Good. North America as well. And I'm sure it's just a matter of time before we start looking at doing some things uh, internationally as well too. But great organization. I'm I'm so very thrilled and 
proud that you're involved with oh, them man, as you great. are, and, and I can't see anything but great things coming in from that in the future. Yeah, yeah. Because of the the people you know and the passion that you have for sure conservation. Sure. Yeah, and you know a lot of it. You know, I prior to DSC, kind of backing up a little bit, um, I didn't realize all of the uh, the issues and the the potential problems in our future uh, until I started learning more and getting more involved and just what we're up against to just preserve what we all hold near and dear you know to our hearts with with being in the outdoors and hunting and conservation that we're we're really fighting a pretty big battle and we need everybody to help that can we need the involvement however you can, whether it be personal. If sure. you can't do something personal, financially helps yeah. you know, yeah. as well, too. And if, if they want to learn more about the DSC, uh, of course, they can always go to the website, which is probably the, right. the easiest thing to do, and that's www.bigame.org. And uh, you can learn everything you want to about DSC there. And, of course, there's also a place there that can put you to a link with the uh, – with the DSC Foundation that I'm involved in as well, too. And there's also a little bit more information there, too, about the Hunter's Care sure. Program that we have going on right now. And that will probably continue well in the future, even when we get past this, this COVID thing. John, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and, and get a um, to, to visit with you about doing a mountain, what's sure. the best way to do so? Best way is probably email. Uh, they can email us at info at double nickel taxidermy, all one word, dot com. Or just call the shop here, and uh, our number is 830-237-9481, and we'll be happy to visit with you. I'm going to get you to spell double nickel just so sure. you can Yeah, it's right. a long one. Uh, it's D-O-U-B-L-E-N-I-C-K-L-E-T-A-X-I-D-E-R-M-Y.com. May have to rewind that and play it again, but that's a <laughs> double nickel taxidermy, all one word dot com. Yeah, it's N I C K L E. Yeah, it's a long story. The other one. It's a long but, story behind <laughs> that one, but yeah. <laughs> that, that's the reason I wanted you to do it more than anything else is to make sure that they spell that double and the spell nickel point. properly. Yes. They can yes. go to your website and they can see some of your work, and then sure. you t- you've got Facebook pages as well too. We do. Yeah, we to, have a. And you release videos every once in a while. We do. Really we have a fairly. Uh, aggressive young staff and and uh, harnessing that their knowledge and <laughs> and uh in the social media platforms they do a really good job keeping up they with do it. they really do and, and and what's the facebook or uh put it there oh here you're gonna put me on the spice double nickel taxidermy yes on instagram and we've been informed it's on instagram <laughs> and facebook so double nickel taxidermy so if you get a chance go to the website Go to the, either the Instagram or, or the Facebook and, and uh, get in touch with John. And, yeah. and then if you happen to be anywhere close to the San Antonio area, y'all are just off of the Interstate 35. We are, yeah, in between. Uh, just outside of uh, uh, New, New Braunfels yep. and kind of halfway between New Braunfels and, and uh, San Marcos. Yeah. San Marcos, yes, sir. So stop by and uh, you, you'll be glad you did. This this studio that they have here is, is huge. And uh, if you do stop by and you want to visit, Plan on spending a little time visiting with John and the staff. Absolutely. And plan on spending a bunch of time looking at some unbelievably fantastic mounts. Yes, sir. John, thank you so very much for joining us this morning, and uh, I look forward to being back here for too very long. Good. Some more tax summary work. Well, thank you. We'll see you then. I'm looking forward. Thank you, John. Thank you. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger, 
Rugged, reliable firearms. Hornady. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trijicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls. Callness Calls Made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas-raised hunting products, the scent gods, www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website, 